1: Hey, welcome to Baking Your Business from Scratch, the shiny new podcast featuring Jennifer Snyder, where we cover all things business and all things mom to help you be the best mom boss ever. And so my guest today is really special. I'm so, so happy that you're here. And so Brittany, I want to let you introduce yourself and tell, tell us about a little bit about you and a little bit about FOMO Baking.
0: Hi, so um, I'm Brittany, and I recently, within the last, you know, two and a half years, had my first child and completely pivoted my career from being a practicing um, lawyer in the corporate field to starting a direct-to-consumer, completely top-eight allergen-free bakery. Um, So it's been quite a shift, but in the most
1: rewarding way possible. Absolutely. So that, let's talk about that for just a minute. That is a giant shift to go from being an attorney to, to running a bakery. And that had to be really scary. And so will you tell us where, what made you make the leap for lack of a better word? So it's not as crazy as it seems.
0: Um, Right after law school, I went to, you know, a very, very large law firm and knew pretty early on that that wasn't where I ultimately saw my career growing. Um, You know, the 18-hour days and traveling the world at a drop of a hat for client meetings, while it's exciting and interesting, um, wasn't something that really fit and felt right for me. Um, So after a few years there, I actually left to go in-house for the Haynes Celestial Group, which is the largest natural and organic consumer product good company. Um, Some of their brands that you may be familiar with are Earth's Best and Terra Chips and Blueprint, and they have dozens upon dozens of different brands. Um, And I loved being there, and not only was it an amazing experience to be working there as a lawyer, but it was the first time that I really started to feel like You know, I've always loved to bake. It was always, you know, kind of my joke to myself of, you know, why am I a lawyer? I should just quit and open a bakery. Um, But my time at Hain was the first time that I really started to see how the food industry operates as a business. You know what actually goes into launching a product and what regulations are in place and you know on a larger scale how do products actually get distributed amongst different stores and you know what are the different channels that you can sell through and it was just eye-opening in so many ways and ultimately I ended up leaving Hain to go back to a law firm for a short period of time um But the thought never left my mind, and after I was at my firm for about a year, my daughter was born, and at that point, I realized that, you know, if I'm going to be leaving her every single day to be working hard at something, I wanted it to be something that I was beyond passionate about and something that I loved, Um, and luckily, you know, my husband is a very much entrepreneur, he had quit his job, you know, four or five years prior to start his own company. Um, And so he was very much on board with this plan. You know, this is something that we had been talking about me wanting to do for so long, that when I started to kind of go back and forth and decide whether or not I was going to return to my firm after maternity leave, it kind of just felt fitting that this was the time to make the leap, Um, which is a little bit insane, because starting a company while you have a four-month-old is not the easiest thing in the world to do. Um, but it's something that I've always wanted to do and I felt so strongly about that it never really felt like work
1: per se. See, I love that. I don't, At some days I feel like I work, but my job, I feel like I don't work because I just love it so much. And so for you, as you were going through this process and, you know, it's scary, even though you had encouragement, you've got a daughter and I know that when I, my son, my youngest son was a year old when I started my business. So I understand how, how uncertain and how frightening that can be. But I'll talk to me about when you made the leap, when you decided, you know what, I'm really going to do it. Tell me about how that felt. Did you just feel on fire and just the whole world lit up? I mean, I think it was definitely mixed emotions. Mm -hmm. You know, I was so excited.
0: um, But there's definitely part of me that was terrified too. I mean, leaving the stability of, you know, being at a law firm and having an entire organization behind you um, to suddenly, you know, just doing this giant task. And it's not like, you know, when you're a lawyer, you have all these support people to help you with things when issues arise versus, you know, a problem comes up and you just have to figure it out. Um, and it wasn't even so much of, you know, just starting a company and baking some cookies and try to sell it, um, because of the allergen free nature of the business, you know, I, FOMO really started mostly, I mean, it was always a passion of mine, but part of that is because I have celiac disease and I know how difficult it is for people that are, have different food allergies, whether it's gluten or dairy or eggs or soy or nuts, how difficult it is to find something that not only tastes good, but is actually safe. And the biggest problem with safety is that while you know, companies try to be inclusive and local bakeries will try to be inclusive and offer something that doesn't have nuts or doesn't have gluten, when they're made in these shared kitchens there's always the possibility of cross-contamination. And for somebody who has an autoimmune condition like celiac or somebody that's anaphylactic, that's often not a risk that you can take. Um, And so one of the biggest challenges that I had faced was, you know, in addition to coming up with the recipes, and I certainly don't have a baking background by any means, it's very, it was very, very difficult to find a space to bake in. You know, typically, if you were going to open a food startup, there are commercial kitchens that you can rent space by the hour and, you know, kind of test out your concept and get feedback from consumers, um, But because of the nature of being a completely dedicated allergen-free product, and it meant that I needed to have a dedicated allergen-free facility, um, which actually meant that I had to find a space and build a kitchen from scratch. And undertake all of these projects prior to ever being able to sell a single cookie. Um, While you have an infinite home, let's don't forget
1: that. That's incredible.
0: While I have a good, while I have an infinite home, although truthfully, um, you know, with all of the time that had gone by, by the time we actually
1: launched, she was more like a year and a half. That's still small. That's still (laughs) small in my book. But, and it's still, it's still incredible. And it's amazing that, that you were- that you were able to, to still focus on your family while pursuing your dreams at the same time. And, and I do want to ask you about, and this is um, not something that we had discussed earlier. Do you find that a lot of people don't understand um, the, the celiacs and the gluten-free? I know that it's become more of, of a hot topic, but do you find that there's still a lot of people that don't understand?
0: I think it's it's become a lot trendier and it's become you know gluten in general has become more of a buzzword over the past decade Um, since I was first diagnosed with celiac I was not diagnosed until I was um, in my second year of law school so it's only been about a decade for me Um, I think when I was first diagnosed nobody had ever really heard of gluten celiac was never really spoken about Um, in the very beginning you know I never knew what I could eat or what I couldn't eat because while you could take for granted now that if you go to a restaurant they often will have gluten-free pasta or gluten-free options denoted on the menu um a decade ago that was just unheard of so over time while it's great that there's more awareness from restaurants it's kind of a blessing and a curse because i think while so many companies and restaurants mean well in offering gluten-free options they often don't fully understand the cross-contamination aspect of it. And if you don't know enough as kind of a consumer to be your own advocate, you can wind up getting very sick in situations. Um, one of the biggest examples that pops into my head would be French fries, because you know typically French fries are just potatoes, they should be gluten-free, but most restaurants will make them in a communal fryer that have chicken fingers and other things that are breaded and the breading can fall off and contaminate the french fries. And a lot of times restaurants will put, you know, a little asterisk or something next to french fries saying that they're gluten-free, but if they're made in a shared fryer, they're really not. Um, And it's little things like that, or, you know, I actually was sick once from a restaurant that had used the same serving spoon for my salad as they had used for a pasta dish. Um, And the manager was very apologetic Um, but that still didn't change the fact that I got very ill from it. Yeah. You're still sick. Exactly. Um, You know, I will say that was a restaurant that's actually very known for taking allergies seriously. And that was why I had told the manager after the fact, just so they could be aware that somewhere along the lines, a mistake had occurred. Um, And it turns out that there was just somebody new on the staff that wasn't aware that you couldn't share spoons. And it's, it's not something that's easy for people to understand unless it's something that they've lived with. Um, you know, even going to you know friends or family's homes, it's sometimes a difficult thing when other people want to cook, just because there's so many things that people do innately without thinking about it um, that when you have an allergy or a condition like celiac, really could be dangerous for the person eating the food, um, and that's why. Um, Part of my philosophy with FOMO is that safety and transparency are my number one priority. And to that extent, you know, the space was dedicated kitchen, it was built from scratch. There is nothing that enters the facility to eat or to drink other than water. You know, on days that I'm there baking the entire day, I change my clothes the second I get to the bakery before I enter the kitchen. And when I need to eat lunch, I will change back out of my FOMO uniform into my clothes and I will sit and eat in my car. Um, And then I will change again and wash up prior to entering back into the kitchen. Because I think that it could be so easy for mistakes to occur that I don't even want food or beverages that aren't water entering the premises because I would never want something to happen that could potentially cross-contaminate one of the
1: ingredients or one of the products. Um You know, I love that. And it's those, those special steps that we take in caring for our clients. That's what, that's what move us to the top of the list. And, and I love that you, that you do that. And even if you had a little, a little room where you could, you, you could eat your salad, you're looking out, you're looking out for the people who receive your delightful baked products, might I add. And yeah. And I just, I just love that. And I know for you, it's part of the culture. It's part of of what you do. But for people who aren't exposed to that, it that's that's pretty amazing. It's profound. And food is food is something that a lot of us take for granted. And if if we ha- if we can eat anything, we're going to eat anything. And and if anything, twenty twenty has been a year of learning of food for me. And and so another reason why I'm so excited to have met you and to have tasted your cookies. And and so let's let's talk about your cookies. Can we talk about your cookies? Of course, I love talking about cookies. <laughs> you sent me this box. Of, not only are they delicious, they're beautiful, and the presentation is fantastic. And and so, how did? And I don't want any trade secrets. But how did how did you get them? How did you how did you come up with these these special recipes for these fantastic cookies? Because I've eaten gluten free food before. And I could take it or leave it, but these are fantastic. And my family were like, Hey, what are these? And I'm like, they're mine. They're not yours. They're mine. Don't eat them. And, and so tell us how you found, how you got to these fantastic delicious cookies.
0: Honestly, it was a lot of trial and error. You know, I, I don't have a professional baking background in any stretch of the word. Um, But it's something that, you know, For myself, out of a necessity, I've baked a lot over the years, and it was just a lot of playing with recipes, playing with ingredients, testing out different alternative flours, different ways to substitute out for eggs or for dairy or for butter or for whatever the traditional ingredients were, and really just playing with them. You know, make a batch and increase one ingredient or decrease one ingredient at a time, and just have you know anyone that was willing to taste test taste test and give me their thoughts um and this was all done out of you know my home kitchen because at this point the commercial kitchen wasn't yet constructed um so i obviously wasn't sharing with people that truly had these allergies um but you know just getting the feedback from consumers that could eat anything one of one of my biggest hopes with fomo is I was diagnosed as an adult. And as an adult, there are still times where I'm at weddings or parties or I'm somewhere and I feel really grumpy. You know, if everyone's eating a piece of cake or everyone's eating something that I can't partake in, Um, you know, I think anyone with any kind of dietary restriction can empathize with that feeling of, you know, well, I wish I could just participate with everyone. And it's a really crummy feeling. And part of the hope with FOMO is that it tastes so good that even if you don't have these restrictions, you'd want to eat them so that if you're having a party or you're having a child's, you know, birthday at school or what have you, you can serve them and everyone, including people with these allergies or restrictions can enjoy them together and nobody has to be left out anymore. And so part of the benefit of, you know, having these taste tested along the way by people that could choose to go eat anything was that we're was really forcing me to meet a higher standard. Um, You know, I'm sure, as you mentioned, you're familiar with some gluten-free products, and there's some really amazing ones out there, and there are some that, you know, kind of sometimes resemble the consistency of cardboard, and it's very difficult when you're not baking with traditional ingredients to get the textures of products to be correct. Um, and not only to have them correct on the day that they're baked, but to have them still taste the way that they should taste three or four days later. Um, and so it was definitely a challenge, but it was really a lot of just trial and
1: error and taste testing. But that was fun. I would have gained so much weight, gluten-free or not. <laughs> and so, but I want to, I want to make a note because when, when we were first introduced FOMO, I'm like, Hmm, I wonder what that means. And And so now I know what it means and I knew what it meant outside of your bakery, your baking company, but, but just for the listeners who don't know, and, and I think it's so beautiful. It goes with your story is FOMO in the, in the social media hashtag sense is fear of missing out. And, and what you said for the kids that did miss out because they couldn't eat that. And, and I just, I just think that that's that's just beautiful. That's, I think that embodies the spirit of what you do of what I've figured that, what I've learned from you that you do. Would you say that's accurate?
0: Wait, like it's, it's, I wanted to create the most inclusive dessert out there. And, and I understand that when I say that there's always going to be somebody that says, well, you know, you can be allergic to anything and you can, and you know, I'm not trying to detract from that. And I feel terribly because occasionally I'll people reach out through the website and say, well, you know, I really want to try this. I have all these allergies, but I'm also allergic to, you know, sugar or what have you. Um, and unfortunately, there needs to be something in the cookies. Um, but in creating the recipes, I tried to be as inclusive as possible um, to not include gluten or any of the top eight allergens or
1: sesame within our products. Yeah, your cookies are a available and edible by everybody in the world, except my family, bless their hearts. And so what do you think in this, in this process, this process from going from corporate world to, to mom, to business owner, what has been the biggest surprise? What is the one thing that, that you didn't expect that happened good or bad? Just the biggest surprise for you that you didn't, you didn't anticipate?
0: I mean, I think This is probably a very cliche answer, because it's probably what every single person you will talk to recently says, Um, but the thing that had surprised me the most that I never could have planned for was COVID. Um, You know, officially launched on November 15th, and um, on March 15th, for about a month, we originally had to close because of governor's orders. Um, So, of course, that was a surprise and nobody expects to have to close their new startup right away. Um, And in addition to that, you know, on a personal level, having a toddler, um, I have a two and a half, almost three year old. I'm also six months pregnant and having no child care outside of the home because of COVID um, is definitely another layer of challenge that I never could have anticipated for um when starting this project. Um, but, you know, luckily my husband's able to work from home and the bakery is close to my house. And you know, we just kind of juggle our schedules and tag team the best we can. Um, and you know, luckily, especially in the very beginning, um, more around April and May in the summer. Um, my customers were very understanding that I was only able to bake and ship on certain days. Um and you just have to kind of go with the flow. I mean, I think one of the biggest surprises and the biggest lessons is that, you know, as somebody who is type A and was a lawyer, you try to plan for every scenario that you can possibly think of prior to diving in. And then the world throws, you know, a massive curveball at you and there's nothing you can do about it other than keep chugging along. Um, so Ride the definitely- wave, ride the wave, friend. Exactly. So, you know, it it could have been easy to get, you know, stressed or upset about the fact that this is the situation, but this is the situation that everyone is in right now. I'm lucky that, you know, knock on wood, we've been staying healthy and pretty much home other than baking and
1: you do the best you can with what it is. That's, that's exactly right. And I may have told you this when we spoke before is I told my husband early on that if, if, if my business can survive 2020, then we've made it. We're good. It's we're successful as far as that's concerned. And, and for being such a new business, you are too. And, and I love that. And so what do you think in all of this with even not counting the pandemic, what is the most valuable lesson that you have learned in, in this, in this venture? I think the most valuable
0: lesson for me personally is just to go for it. You know, life is short and this has been the hardest task I've ever undertaken. The workload has been absolutely tremendous. Um, But after so many years of daydreaming about wanting to do this, there's also no more rewarding feeling in the world. And, you know, even Mondays when I'm up at 5 a.m. to get to the bakery, it feels worth it. It doesn't feel like, you know, waking up to go to a job that you're not 100% in. Um, And there's part of me that almost feels like, well, why didn't I do this five years sooner? Um, You know, it's, it's been very rewarding and it feels very, it feels meaningful. You know, despite how difficult it's been, there's nothing I'd rather be doing.
1: See, I love that. I love that. And I love business owners just as a whole. They're my tribe. And I feel a connection. You know, I've never met you in person yet. I feel a connection to you just in your passion and what you're doing and, and what you've gone through to get to where you are. And and exactly why, why I started this podcast is to reach those people and, and bring us closer together. And so what would you say? And I know you said just go for it. But what, was the, what is the most... Critical piece of advice you could give to someone just starting out?
0: I think it's just to kind of be realistic. You know, I think you watch some of these TV shows about entrepreneurs, and you watch Shark Tank sometimes, and um, you know, you can see different movies or things in the media about people starting businesses. And I think it's easy to get in the back of your mind, well, maybe I'm going to be the one in a million that, you know, launches and takes off instantly. Um, but I think that there's, for the majority of people, that's just not realistic. And, you know, there's many times years of hard work and sacrifice that have to go into building a business before you reach any kind of turning point or success. And I think it's kind of the biggest lesson would just be to not give up. You know, it's Things take time and good things take time. And, you know, even now, you know, we're a small startup, but every month, very slowly, word is catching on and sales are increasing. And that's all I can hope for is that, you know, somebody tries it and they love it. And then there's nothing that makes me happier than I see, you know, their name pop up a couple of weeks later when they're either reordering for themselves or they're sending a gift for somebody. Um, But that kind
1: of organic growth just takes time. Yep. And when you're, doing, when you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, the growth will come. And that's honestly how I believe that. And so I've, I've alluded to these delicious cookies and the, the oatmeal are the ones that I like the best. And so will you tell our listeners where they can get their own cookies and where they can go to learn more about, about FOMO Baking Company?
0: So you can learn more about us um, on Facebook or Instagram, um, FOMO Baking Co., or our website, which is FOMO, F-O-M-O, baking.com. And um, all of our products you can order right online. I will personally bake them fresh for you and they will be shipped right to your door. So we can ship anywhere in the US and cookies are baked and shipped pretty much the same day always. So you'll be getting them as fresh from the oven as humanly possible.
1: And you guys, I know cookies. You, if you've ever seen me, I eat a lot of cookies and these are good cookies and so much so that I'm not willing to share them with my people. And so Brittany, I am so, so happy to have had you here with us today and and for you to share your story. And I I just, I just, I just, I said it before. I just love, love women entrepreneurs and you are now in my tribe and thank you so much. And please. Keep in touch with us and I will post your, your link, the link to your website on, on social media. And so thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. This is so fun. Baking Your Business from Scratch is produced by me, Jennifer Snyder, and Rogue Media Network. Check out all of the other great shows at RogueMediaNetwork.com. Please follow us at Neat As A Pin on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And to contact us, email Jennifer at NeatAsAPin.com. Thanks for joining me. And we'll see you again on the next episode of Baking Your Business from Scratch. Hi, friends. I want to talk to you for a minute about my logo. Why does my logo have anything to do with anything? But it does because I have a logo that is locally where I live in Waco, Texas, very recognizable. Many people have commented on how they relate to her. She resonates with them. They can remember her. And it is a mid-century lady snapping her fingers. And that logo was created by my friends at Innovative Solutions website and graphic design and I want to share them with you. They are local to me in Waco, Texas. They're a local team of award-winning graphic artists and website developers, but they don't help just Wacoans. They help everybody everywhere. Specializing in custom branding packages for businesses of all sizes. All sizes, that includes you, unless you have, whether you have 100 employees or just one, that includes you. They can do everything from custom logos to business card design to full websites from the ground up. Innovative Solutions has superior service. They can host your site, they can support you. If you wanna change something, you send them an email or they can teach you how to do it yourself. You, Whatever you need, they can help you. And so what I want you to do, if you are in the phases of business where you are ready to start branding, call my friends at Innovative Solutions website and graphic design. That number is 254-716-7199, or you can visit them online at InnovativeSolutionsOnline.com. That's InnovativeSolutionsOnline.com. Reach out. You will be so glad you did. are a reflection of who we are, what does yours say about you? If your answer is different from what you would like, rest assured there is hope. Neat as a pen organizing and cleaning is the answer to all of your home frustrations. If you struggle with clutter multiplying in closets, dirt piling up in corners, or the mountain of mail growing on the dining room table, we can help. We offer personalized solutions designed just for you and your unique home and lifestyle. Consultations can take place in-home or virtually via Zoom. Learn more at needasapin.net. Need as a Pin organizing and cleaning? Discover an easier way to live. This has been Globe Media Network Podcast.